Hey, everybody. Welcome to What's for Dinner. Oh, my God. You know what's for dinner? Uh, me getting off this ship. That's, uh, <laughs> hey. Uh, I am up on the uh, Norwegian getaway right now. It is my uh, last day. I've been on the ship for four weeks, and I'm about ready to go out of my fucking mind. I don't know how a lot of people do this. They're on the ship for uh, six, eight months at a time. After four weeks, I'm, I'm just ready to, uh, to go nuts. But luckily... I am done, and uh, this week I uh, got to, on the very last day, I just we just recorded this, I got to sit down with probably one of my favorite performers on the ship. Uh, his name is Losander, and he is one of the uh, grandmasters of magic in the Illusionarium show. Now, every performer in the Illusionarium is an amazing, amazing at what they do. Losander in particular is just, uh, I, I said it in the episode, and I'll say it right now beforehand, what he does is as much art as it is magic. It is beauty, what he does. It's, it's elegant, and it's mind-blowing. And uh, I got to sit down with him today, and uh, we had a really nice talk. It was basically about his career and about uh, magic in general and how he uh, started and his influences and some of his best and worst shows. It was really, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't say that much in this because I was just fascinated by so much of what he was talking about. And I'm sure if you are a fan of magic, this is definitely uh, an episode for you to uh, enjoy. And if you're a fan of mine, hey, I got some uh, shows coming up. Um, I'm actually going to be going back to L.A. next week on the 31st. Hallelujah. But on uh, June 7th, I'll be headlining at the main room in at Flappers Comedy Club in Burbank. Please come by to see that show. It is uh, going to be hopefully one of um, the first of many headlining shows I do at uh, Flappers. Also, on the 17th of June, I'll be doing a show at the Haha ha Cafe in North Hollywood. And on the 24th of June, I'll be doing a show in uh, San Diego, at um, at a fun little venue called Friday Night Funnies. All the information, of course, is on my website, flipisfunny.com. Okay, I am done rambling. It is now time for episode 185 of What's for Dinner with the incomparable Losander. Enjoy. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What, what's for dinner? Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. We're going. So what's up, everybody? Guess where I am? Yes, I'm still on a ship. Actually, it's my last day, and uh, I'm ending the day with a bang because uh, I've got on the show. Uh, I think one of the most amazing, not just performers, but people that I've met uh, while doing this. Uh, he goes by the professional handle of Losander. You should <laughs> definitely look him up. But uh, we all know and love him and call it, and uh, know him as Dirk. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How good. are you? <laughs> I'm wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> if, as, uh, I'm not sure if you could tell by the way, uh, uh, by Dirk's accent, he is German. And as a Jew, we have finally made peace. I think <laughs> you, you and I have. <laughs> <laughs> so you doing all right, man? I'm doing great. Good, yeah. good. Very cool, man. Um, First of all, if you don't know who uh, Losander is, definitely look him up. I mean, what I think one of the most impressive things about your website is you actually have David Copperfield on your website kind of introducing you. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I, I invented or created many illusions in, in magic, and one of these illusions I sold to David Copperfield, and uh, so he made like a little video for me. Uh, how did how, how did he, did he hear of you or did you approach him? I was quite interesting. I mean, uh, he, I knew 
him for quite some time. And uh, then I, I created this illusion like over 20 years ago. Really? And I performed it with a friend of mine in an amusement park in Germany. And then um, I never touched it ever again, really. <laughs> because, I mean, as you know who, uh, who I am, I perform by myself and mm -hmm. don't have any uh, assistance on stage or whatever. So it really didn't fit in my, in my show. So but it was a, a two-person kind of illusion? Yeah, okay. yeah. So when the economy kind of went down a couple of years ago, I said, well, you know, hey, I have still this illusion. Maybe I should sell it to, <laughs> to magicians. And uh, what it is, you cover up a, a person with a, with a big sheet, and then all of a sudden the person starts levitating and then vanishes and can reappear wherever you like. So Wow. And it can be done under any conditions. So Copperfield is actually performing it totally in the round in his show, and then the person uh, appears on stage afterwards. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, and, and so I put it on my website. I made a little trailer, built it, uh, hired one of the dancers in the, from the World's Greatest Magic Show at the time I was performing at, and uh, so we filmed this all in my living room, and I put it on, <laughs> put it on my website. <laughs> living room. And then in, at, I think it was like 8 in the morning, the phone rang and and it said, "Hey, it's David." I said, "David, who?" Because I was not expecting David Copperfield to call me. <laughs> so <laughs> it's David Copperfield. I said, "Oh, hi. How are you?" <laughs> and then he uh, just called you at home. Just he, yeah, he, yeah, it I mean, wasn't like one of his assistants called you. No, it was no, actually, he directly. Wow, he called me and uh, I said, "Well, how much do you want for this illusion?" I said, "What are you talking about?" I still was like half half dreaming, <laughs> and you know the I called it ascension that effect and then and i said oh oh yeah like i wanted to sell it for fifteen hundred dollars to to uh the magicians and i said well it's fifteen hundred you can buy he says no 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 i want to i want to buy uh the exclusive right so only you and me can perform it wow <laughs> yeah it was funny and then i said oh. <laughs> course when i once i said it i regretted it i said well i don't think you can afford it i said to him, I said, no let me rephrase it <laughs> 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 you can but i don't think you want to spend that much and and so what what it was like uh he said well think about it you only have to build one blah 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 and i said well yeah okay so he kept calling me every hour pretty much he said, have wow. you thought about it i said no i haven't thought about it then he said okay come to the mgm and, and make you price you cannot refuse and so I came there, and I refused it. <laughs> <laughs> Playing then, hardball, man. Yeah, and then, and then on my way out, you know, uh, I said, he, he, he made the deal a little sweeter. and said, okay, well, let's do it. I mean, I was honored that he even wanted to yeah, buy yeah. it. And I idolize him ever since I'm, I'm a kid because I grew up in this little village, and there was nobody around me doing magic. And so I followed his career um, in TV and and and, well, and so was, on. Was he the person that initially pushed you to want to get to magic, or did you? Have no, no, no. Uh, I got uh, into the magic world by a friend of my grandfather. She was uh, a female magician, and she used to own one of those traveling variety theaters in okay. the thirties. And when I met her, you know, she was of course like an older lady and just showed me some magic to entertain me, you know. Was this the person you talk about in the Mind and Magic yeah, show? Yeah, oh, okay. it is, yeah. Very interesting. And then she basically showed me a trick, and I, you know, got bitten by the magic bug, so to speak, and and um, until I was, like, probably, like, 14, 16 years old, everything I knew in magic, she basically taught me. And, oh, wow. And then later on, I lost a little bit track of her, 
and uh, but it it was it was funny. Always I always say when when the student is ready, the master appears, and that was so true in my entire career. I I went o always so far, and then it felt like I'm stuck, and then all of a sudden I meet another person, important person, uh, as another stepping stone. You know, like for instance, then I was 18 years old, and I went to a variety theater in Germany. Um, the place is called uh, Tiger Palast. So you hear you would say Tiger Palace. Okay. And uh, there was a magician from Norway. He he performs also levitation effects like I do, and he performed with soap bubbles. And I always loved that, you know. And and it was so funny. I'm in the lobby, and he had never seen me. All of a sudden, he comes into the lobby, and the lobby filled with people, and he passes by me and says, oh, excuse me, do I know you? And I said, no, no, <laughs> you don't know me, but I know you. <laughs> and I showed him, I showed him uh, one of my um, business cards, and it had me perform one of his tricks he created earlier. He said, oh, that's one of my tricks. I said, yeah, yeah, I perform it and so on. I said, oh, how about this? After the show, you come into my dressing room, and I'll show you a couple things. One, just like that? Yeah. And then wow. the show was over. I went into his dressing room, and he got me started with the basics of uh, uh, performing with soap bubbles. And uh, then, you know, I trained a long time by myself. And whenever I had a chance to see him again, we stayed in touch. And then, and then of course, when, when you see somebody, you kind of like try to imitate what they're doing. Right, right, so right. So at the beginning, I was still doing a lot of stuff, what he was actually uh, come up with. And then I sent him a video and he said, well, you know, it's fantastic, but if you really want to be your own, you have to come up with your own material, which was actually the best advice I've gotten oh, yeah. at this point. You know, same you with comedians. A lot of comedians try to, to imitate yeah. their exactly. idols, and yeah, you got to find your own you voice. Got to find exactly. So then I created all the stuff I'm doing now in the show. You know, yeah, because that's um, uh, so original. What uh, yeah. what you do with the bubbles? I mean, I, I I told you when I was a kid, I saw a magician uh, use bubbles, and he blew. I remember him blowing smoke into the bubbles. He was right. And right. You, you said you knew who that was. Yeah. Um, that was the only time I'd ever seen uh, uh, an illusionist use bubbles until I saw you. But what you do totally surpasses anything like that. Because uh, again, if you haven't seen Losander, definitely check him out. He you literally control and command bubbles yeah yeah it's <laughs> right. it's, it's it's the most uh, amazing thing i've ever seen yeah. now is that something that you taught yourself how to do or did you again see well, somebody do it and well you it, again spirit? like it was based on finn john and uh he didn't really create it which i found out way way later at the time i thought he created all of this mm -hmm. but he really didn't uh it was like um in an old uh, magic book written in towards the end of the 1800s there were already effects which Finn, Finn John does so he found, must have found them and he of course implemented them to the, the the time we are in right now because the way it was described you know didn't really 100% work but he got obviously inspired by that created all that stuff and then when I saw him like I said I imitated him and then by playing around with it I found all these different uh, effects like for instance the one bubble what goes away from me and flies back that, through yeah. the ring and stuff like that yeah. that I created one time for a competition and I won <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I said I'm never doing this again because the problem with it is you, you can do this at home and it works pretty consistently because you know 
the conditions of your room, you know, the the air, the the, the airflow, and all that stuff mm -hmm. has a lot to do with it. And so when you want to do it in a different room, you have to almost like, I mean, guess what to do. And so it's really really hard to perform it from one room to the next. Right. And then when I met my wife at the time, she said. Well, that's the best you do. And I said, well, it's also the most difficult thing I do. I said, I don't care. You have to do it. So I worked it out in an amusement park. I did like about 400 shows. And then after that, I pretty much could do it anywhere I want. Wow. So it took took a while. It took a little while, but it's pretty darn perfect right now. Yeah. And now as far as your 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 history, did you start doing like little magic clubs and then you built up to theaters or were you... Did somebody kind of take you under the wing and take you on tour with them? No, I mean, when I started, I, I started, in this, like I said, in this little village and did like birthday parties, uh, weddings and all that and stuff. And you were like a teenager? Yeah, I started when I was eight years. That's when I first got connected with Magic. But my first show I did when I was 12. Okay. And uh, so... Yeah. Like a birthday party? Yeah, like like a birthday. No, it actually was like in an old folks' home. Oh, really? <laughs> and I had, my little, I had my little top hat and <laughs> afterwards collected the money. I made 50 bucks. I said, wow, 50 wow. bucks. I can do that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so and and then how, how my career really got started because I was, I mean, when you grow up in a little village and you tell your parents you want to become a magician, they say you're crazy. Right. Yeah, there's no money in it, whatever, right? So... There was a doctor in one of the neighbor villages, and uh, he called me up and said, hey, I have my birthday party. I would like to hire you, but I don't have so much money. I said, wait a minute. You're a doctor. You don't have so much money. That <laughs> doesn't really go together. I'm not a good doctor. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I said, well, at the time, I was already charging $800 a show, and I, I said, well, I can't. I can't. He wanted to pay 400 I said, I can't do this because word will spread, and then everybody wants me for 400 He said, no, just... Trust me, there's a lot of important people there. You should do it. And I said, no, I mean, you don't even know how often I heard that, you know. Yeah, come to my party. You you will be big afterwards. Right. <laughs> and, uh, well, he convinced me. It was the third gig that day. Uh, and I, I said, well, if you don't care when I'm coming, then I can do it. It could be as, as late as midnight, I said to him. I said, okay. So it was about 11 when I arrived at his house and did the show. And it was really like he said. I mean, there were so many... Uh, people there with with lots of money and influence, so it was like the product manager from Leica Camera, who was uh, also there, and mm -hmm. then he said, "Well, can you perform with cameras?" And I said, "Sure, yeah, I can come up with a show." So I created a show, and then they booked me uh, on a trade show called Photokina, which is in Cologne, is a major camera um, show there. And I performed for like an entire week, and I was well paid, of course. And then out of that, a uh, couple weeks later, a uh, product manager from Firestone called me. He said, well, can you perform with tires? And I said, well, if you have the budget, I can perform with anything you want. <laughs> I said, well, we do have the budget, but do you have the time? I said, well, what's the time? He said, well, six weeks. I said, ooh, six weeks. <laughs> what's the budget? <laughs> so it turned out it was more than I was making the entire year in my job. Holy shit. And I said, yeah, absolutely, I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that got me started. And then Firestone, I worked for them for like literally almost nine years, you know, on and off. Uh, Doing trade shows. Yeah, in Germany, we have this thing, they call it like open house, 
when when let's say like a company has like so to speak like an open house they make like a festival out of it and so the tire companies they they do this every once in a while so they have like uh, on a saturday they they call it like open house and then they they invite like hundreds of people to basically promote their business and then firestone always gave me uh, to them as a present. Said, well, okay, we will give you the magician and he performs our tires, whatever. So I had to do three shows a day and that was it. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, that got me started. <laughs> that, wow. That is insane. So this is, um, and what what year was that that you were doing that? Uh, that was like, I was just, uh, let me think about I just turned 21, so now... Jesus, yeah, yeah. you're young, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So That's now, a lot now to I'm happen 46. at such a young age. <laughs> yeah. Now, th so did you primarily tour over in Europe, or did you? when did you come to the yeah, States? Yeah, at the beginning, it was only Europe, and then um, I was performing in Vienna and met my wife there. And was she also a magician? Yeah, she's a magician. Her name is Luna Shimada, and uh, her father is a, a well-known magician, too, and so... He, they were always living in Las Vegas, and then all of a sudden, she says, "Why don't we move to Las Vegas?" And then, when I, when I got here, then all of a sudden I was competing with magicians who were performing for ten dollars an hour close-up magic, and I said, "Well, I can't do that." <laughs> <laughs> so I was flying back and forth all the time between Vegas and uh, yeah, and Germany, Germany, and and then at one point I said, "Well, why don't I start s selling my knowledge to other magicians?" And that's when I started to do lectures them teaching my knowledge to them and uh, also started to sell the table the floating table mm -hmm. and uh, you know all that all these products the bubble stuff I'm doing I'm, I'm selling to them and uh, and that took really off I mean I could make a great living doing that and then it's just and that's just around Vegas or do you go all no no worldwide really oh wow. it? and uh, then I got, I got pro uh, approached by a friend of mine Kevin James you probably saw him if you were the watching him. Um, um, no, America Got Talent. He 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 kind of like saw this guy in half with a, uh, and and it, it's a spectacular illusion. Anyway, he was part of the world's greatest magic show at the time in Vegas, and then he asked me if I would like to join, and then I performed there almost like for three and a half years. Wow! And uh, yeah, and then out of that, Jeff Hobson was at the time towards the end of the run the MC and then he created the illusionarium here on the ship mm -hmm. and when he created it he said well you're my first choice so if you if you have time I would like to ask you if you want to perform here and then I did it never performed on a ship and now I'm stuck here now I'm <laughs> part of the furniture <laughs> yeah you and me both <laughs> it's it's not it's not of, of all the gigs in the world it's not the worst one to right. have that's right yeah uh, but that's so that's pretty amazing. Now, when you do these lectures, what what is like, um, what's the most common question you get asked at these things by young magicians? The most common question, yeah, that's a good. I don't know. There, there, there's all different different types of questions, but most people are you know wondering if they can make a living out of it for sure. And I always say, you know, the the, the biggest problem with with modern society is that they plant these seeds in somebody's head, saying, "Ah, you you can't make money uh, yeah. being a comedian. You can't make money being a magician. You can't make money being a painter, or whatever." The truth is, you can make money with everything. Important is that your heart is in it and you go really for it, and right. and over time you will make money with it. Oh, absolutely. And then you're not really doing a job anymore because you do what you love. Therefore. 
you're not really you're working. Not, exactly. <laughs> no, that's I, that's exactly my philosophy. And as a side effect, you make money. Yeah. <laughs> Doing what you love and you get to pay the that's bills. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Because uh, you were saying before that your parents, when you told them this is what you wanted to do, they were not behind you. Well, they were always behind me in terms of like supporting me. My dad was driving me to every single show oh, cool. I did and helped me. I, I, I mixed, uh, you know, um, talking material with, with music. So he, he started the music at the time. I needed them and all that stuff and I performed. And so there was a, a lot of support there or they helped me buy tricks and stuff. But they, they, they didn't think that this should be my profession. You know what, what did I they mean? want you to do? Well, you know, learn a regular job in their eyes. <laughs> so, and I, I went through the book. Well, hmm, if I can't do this, I liked electronics at the time because I liked to build and all that stuff. So, there was a company in the neighbor village, and they were making um, computers for the uh, textile industry. If they, if you dye clothes, there, there needs to be a special process in order to always achieve the same color. Okay. If the slightest difference occurs, like you put the the paint in a minute too late, you get a different color, stuff like that, you know. So th it needs like this all this machinery to have always the same fabric coming out of that. And so this company was basically building that, and and so I learned that there, and um, I mean it was very successful there too. But I rather well, you'd rather <laughs> just do the magic. I rather do the magic. <laughs> and funny was. Like uh, two years ago, when the owner of that company turned 70, he actually asked me if I could perform. So I flew all the way from, oh, from Vegas. Cool. He paid for everything. And I did a 45-minute show for him. And, oh, that's uh, very, very cool. And, and then he said, well, just so you know, anytime you don't want to do the magic, you can come back to my company <laughs> anytime. <laughs> you know, I'll keep that in mind. Thank yeah, you. exactly. It's Thank you very much. <laughs> No, you know what's interesting because um, because uh, we've seen each other perform on the ships, uh, yes. you know, before, and with comedy, the last thing that we really want is children in the audience. You know, we have to deal with it for a couple of shows because right, they're all right. ages, and you know, we we make do. But uh, with magic, it seems that children are almost an integral part of uh, doing the shows because there's a I've seen because I've seen it so many times when in, in the Illusionarium that there's a there's a real sense of like awe yeah, in a children's yeah. eyes as opposed to an adult. Who well, have a little I, bit I of think skepticism I think it. magic is one of these art forms where it doesn't matter what age you are, you you get sucked into the same kind of vortex, so to speak. I mean, you you're amazed and you see these these things what are totally impossible. Mm -hmm. And um, however, it's really hard to perform for for children. As a magician, oh, really? because you know when you're an adult, you think very complex, because you've you've learned a lot of you have a lot of a lot of knowledge and like f a simple example, if you put a, a red handkerchief in your hand and pull a, a, a yellow one out, uh, an adult thinks well he colored the handkerchief, but a kid thinks immediately well, well he 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 basically has to have two handkerchiefs. <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't think that, they, that you're coloring it. They think too direct. You know what I mean? They don't go the detour of like, oh, yeah, he really colored the handkerchief there. Sometimes they go directly. See, I would think so. the opposite. I would think, it, excuse me, a child uh, would would believe that there was a, like a magic that actually happened. They well, th that's true. They really believe such thing like magic. That's why for them... 
some some effects are not real magical because there's a well, yeah yeah of course he can do that he's a magician <laughs> you know yeah, what yeah. I mean so <laughs> so it's it's you have to perform really totally different I mean if you tell like a five year old uh, look there's a there's a dragon flying flying over there or you play a game with them they believe actually they're they're the dragon themselves mm -hmm. you know what I mean it ends by the time they're six or seven and then your the rest of your brain kicks in whatever but from the age of zero to six you're like more like a sponge you kind of absorb absorb thing. everything yeah and uh, whatever you tell the kid you know it, it takes it for granted you know that's but why do, do you still uh do you still i guess what um does it bother you to perform for children now no or you no not at all i mean i love to perform for for kids and whatever I do, they, they think it's real magic to them. Yeah. They see the, the bubbles and all that stuff. I mean, it's like very magical. I mean, many times I've performed like for evening shows and there was then a matinee for, for children mainly. And then the people who hired me, oh, you don't need to perform there. You know, you just do the evening thing. No, I love to perform, you know. And then, and then from all the magicians, they were performing because when you hire a real kids magician, He's there to really, you know, cater to the kids, and he does things like, "Oh, you guys don't want to see your trick no more," and the kids are screaming, "Yeah, we want to see one more, whatever," you know. Right. It's cater to that, but when I do my stuff, I just perform for them like I would perform for adults. So with the end result, the kids come like, "Well, you know, what these magicians do—they're tricks, but what you do—that's real magic." <laughs> you know what <laughs> oh, I that's mean? Cool. So yeah, it's—I love performing for them. Oh, it's that's great. very good. What is um? What would you say? your best and worst shows you ever had oh best and worst shows well yeah i mean start with the worst like that like as far as the the venue or the audience oh yeah the worst show definitely <laughs> it was very funny actually it turned out i almost didn't do the show but i did then a couple close-up things instead but i was hired in germany for a 2000 seat tent you know they have these beer tents okay and uh and I asked them, I said, well, okay, if I perform for 2,000 people, I need excellent lighting, I need perfect sound system, and I need a stage. And they said, yeah, 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 we have all that. So I arrived there at the gig, and, and, and the guy, I said to the guy, so where, where's the stage? I said, oh, no, we, we don't really have a stage. Uh, and then he says, I said, where's the lighting? Oh, we don't really have any lighting. And where's the sound system? Well, we don't really have any sound system. I said, oh, gee, I just forgot my show at home. <laughs> And the guy said, what do you mean? What? I said, well, you, I told you I need stage, lighting, and sound. You don't have it? How, how can I perform here for 2,000 people? You right. Know? <laughs> so, well, I ended up doing, like, close-up magic on the tables, and but it was really... Was, oh, my was, God. That, yeah, it was bad, yeah. <laughs> it's a, you know, it, uh, this happens a lot with comedy, too, and I guess it would happen with magic, too. Like, people think that, uh, oh, I'll just bring in a magician or a comedian. Yeah. And, just go and do your thing. You don't need anything. It's not like you're a band and you need yeah, exactly. instruments. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just go do it. Like, no, there, there, there are elements that There's help elements. elevate the show. Absolutely. They, they don't realize it. it. Yeah. God, that's... What about, like, well, like, the worst audience you had? Oh, the worst audience I had I was in Germany once. It was a, uh, I was hired for a company, and I almost thought there must be somewhere hidden cameras because I've never experienced anything like it. I got announced, blah, 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 started my show, and everybody deliberately turned the back, their back on me. What? Like, yeah, they turned around. They didn't pay any attention. And How many uh, people were there? Uh, about 100. And this is in a, just like a... Yeah, it was like in a restaurant or whatever. Okay. So and I'm saying, well, what the hell is that? So after like a couple of tricks, nobody paid attention. I just went silent. And then all of a sudden, 
because there was no noise anymore, they turned around. I said, well, so I'm performing the last trick right now. You guys can watch or you don't. It doesn't matter to me. I'm still getting paid. <laughs> I'm yeah. still getting paid. And I did the floating table and ended the show with it. <laughs> and then they kind of liked that and applauded. But it was like, oh, my God, I've never experienced anything like they that. Just, and you never knew why they just turned no, around? never knew. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, that was crazy. That is crazy. Wow. <laughs> okay, yeah. uh, best audience you ever performed in front of? Best audience. Uh, well, there were lots of lots of good audiences, but what the most memorable was when I performed the first time in Las Vegas. It was like in the Riviera Hotel. It was a, okay. actually uh, a magic convention held in the Riviera Hotel, and I got to perform on the big stage, and it was so amazing. They had like dry eyes and everything there. It was like, wow. Of course, like out of all shows, you don't have a camera when that happens. <laughs> But it stuck in my memory, and it was really, really amazing. And this is in front of like all the magicians in Vegas. There were magicians and and lay people, so it was altogether like a thousand people. Wow! Yeah, and it was just how how long a show was that? I was, was just doing song? my act because there were many other magicians hired, I so I did my ten minute. Act. But that was kind of like your big introduction to the Vegas magic yeah. world. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's, yeah. that's really yeah. cool. That was, and it just oh, yeah. I love I love <laughs> when those good shows go right. That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> What's the biggest venue you ever performed in front of? Biggest Excellent. venue was like in Blackpool, uh, three thousand six hundred people. Wow. Yeah. And but, I mean, that's already stretching it for my type of magic because I mean, yes, I have big stuff too, like the table and. But if you you have a hard time seeing the bubbles on that distance and all that stuff, so oh, they didn't have like a camera. Or screen no, but or the only reason that even worked is because in Europe the theaters are built a little different. They have this one was three levels. They had three balcony levels okay. and so on. So everybody was still fairly close. Um, like for instance, I was performing here in Detroit in the Fisher Theater. They have only two thousand five hundred seats there, and I mean, if you're in the last row, you're like. This big, I mean, you can right. barely see nothing. And but there, they, we had cameras and so on. So okay, that, that works. Okay. But yeah, yeah, I mean, aside from like when you play venues like that, do you um, do you have to adjust your act, or do you just say I'm just going to do what I'm going to do, and hopefully everybody gets a. <laughs> Good. Well, you have to play a lot slower, you know, mm-hmm. especially if you have like smaller objects. You have to almost extremely slow everything down until it registers. In such a big room, when you what would look totally silly in a close-up situation, you would say, "What the hell is he doing?" Looks actually right when you're on a big stage. You kind of like slow everything down, and when you produce something, you almost have to count to like in your head like to five or ten until before you move. Because if you produce something and you move right away, nobody nobody's gonna, say, oh, gonna see it. You that's know what point. I mean? So you have to slow everything down, and then you can perform in fairly big theaters too. Now here's something that um, I was always curious about because I know in the in the comedian world, um, if you see a comedian doing a uh, a joke that you know you've heard, and you could kind of predict what the punchline is going to be, it's it's considered a hack. Yeah. You know, like in the in the uh, world of magicians, are there tricks like that? Are there uh, is there a, a patter? Or, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. They're, that they're, that they're, you kind of look, you go, oh, God, I can't believe they're doing y- that. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Really? You know? Yeah, which, of course, helps like the, all these amateur magicians to get started and do a halfway decent Well, yeah, thing, I, I guess you know? if, if you're starting out, but, I mean, do you see, like, in the professional? professional well, there are some, but not many. I mean, if you, it's like in any other industry. If you want to be really... Uh, uh, a name in your in your business you got to have your original material you know or at least 
have material and then give it a good spin to it so it becomes your signature piece or right. whatever, you know. Aside from yourself, who would you say is like the most original magician that you know? Well, I mean, I was inspired and he was a good friend of mine, Salvano, and he lived in Poland and he was a good teacher of mine and I mean, he was amazing. He what was what made him like what set, what's Well, stood, his stood his out? style was like uh, I learned a lot from him, like to to make really real magic out of out of a trick, because there's a trick level, and if you stay on the trick level, it's like almost like performing a puzzle. You know, once you solve the puzzle, you don't need to see the see the trick anymore. So, but if you elevate it in the realm of so-called real magic, where you give these people a magical experience, then they can see this a hundred times or two hundred times. They will still enjoy it, even if they mm. were to know how it's done. They will still enjoy the the presentation, the presentation, and, and, yeah. and the way. The way it's uh, presented, you know what I mean. Oh, interesting. So, and that's, so yeah, and he uh, kind of yeah taught, taught you he taught that. me that yeah. And uh, I yeah. mean, I like I said, I admire David Copperfield. He's fantastic to me. I mean, what he has done is pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Doug Henning, Doug Henning, for sure. But there's so many other smaller magicians nobody knows, and they're doing a fantastic job. So yeah, I think that's how it is in any uh, yeah. any entertainment business: singers, yeah, exactly. comics, dancers. Yeah. Right. But it's uh, it's it's really I t I'll tell you, man. Like I've seen the Illusionarium. I've lost count, and it's <laughs> yeah. still it still blows me away. Just right. uh, the show itself, but your act in particular, because nobody else does what you do, man. Yeah, that's it, right. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I have a know, very unique style. I think it's yeah. art. I think yeah. what you do is 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 as much art as it is magic. Thank you. Know? you. I, yeah. I, I I mean that, and thank you so much for uh, sitting down and talking. Oh, with me no problem. <laughs> Where could uh, people find you online? Uh, I have a website, www.losander.com, L-O-S-A-N-D-E-R. There you go, yeah. Losander. Are you on Twitter or anything like uh, that? Facebook, yeah. Perfect. So yeah. you can find Losander. If all you the punch my name into YouTube, you see a lot of Yes. My, oh, God, uh, yeah. Videos. Definitely check out the videos. I've yeah. seen a few of them, and they're yeah, just yeah. It, mind-blowing. And yeah. if you have a chance to see Losander either on the getaway or in Vegas or anywhere in the world, you yeah. will not regret seeing him. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Always you very a pleasure. much. Thanks nice, so much. Nice talking to you. You too. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What, what's for dinner? Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds. Talking, talking about what's ever on their minds.